America is a nation of dreamers, really by design. This, this sign should be at the U.S. borders. We, we are the land of opportunity. Opportunity is actually embedded into the makeup of our country. Our nation's founders, a tremendous number of them were uh, Christians. There were less than a handful that, that weren't. Um, they were Christ followers, and they designed the American experiment to be uh, such that people who came into the country would have tremendous amount of opportunity. They could take responsibility on themselves, and they could um, go for it, try to find the blessing of God on their life as they seek seek it. Um, actually, Christ followers should be the most optimistic people in the world. Um, and so our nation's founders laid the groundwork for a country full of optimism based on Scripture. Easter Sunday, we began this message series. Uh, we're dealing with the challenges that sneak up on us if we don't see them coming, and often we don't. So far, we've looked at cynicism, disconnection, pride. These things can blindside us and take us out if we're not careful. All of those messages are on the website uh, if you missed any of them and, and you'd like to listen to them. Today, I'm talking about emptiness, as I said earlier. Um, the Bible gives some tremendous perspective on finding fulfillment and dealing with the emptiness that can blindside and derail us in life. A dream goes unfulfilled. We, we're a nation of dreamers, but not everybody's dream gets fulfilled. And then if we do fulfill our dreams, it's just not as filling as we thought it would be. That That's... The reality I've experienced. Um, our feelings of emptiness are supercharged when we start looking around and compare ourselves with others who seem to be enjoying life to the full because we can only see the surface of them and their life and what's going on there. So they get supercharged, this emptiness. It gets fired up in us. On top of this, the messages we see in the media fuel this pursuit of of our dreams and sort of supercharge the emptiness as well that we see. Here's a song from the movie Pinocchio, which was made in 1940, and it, it carries this theme with it. The first scene in the clip shows uh, Geppetto's dream of a son magically fulfilled, and then I'd like you to listen to the songs which reveal the, the values of the writer of the movie and the songs.
have a country of dreamers, and our media fills us with the hopes of dreaming and having them realized. And most of us have been stewing in this ideology since we were young, and we've had dreams realized or unfulfilled as life has played out. What was your dream when you were growing up? What did you dream about becoming? Mine was to play professional baseball. That was, and I was pretty confident that I was going to pull that off. Um, my confidence was based on ignorance and, and arrogance. <laughs> and a little mixture of the optimism of growing up in this country and the media that fueled my optimism that I could pull this off. I just, I just didn't understand the, the small pyramid at the top of baseball players in the world who make it into the major leagues. It's a small pyramid. But at one point, I began to consider, what am I going to do if I end up getting hurt, injured, and I can't play baseball anymore? What am I going to do if that happens? So at least... This is around 13, 14, I began to think about this. And at least I was a little circumspect in that I began to think, okay, maybe I, I won't end up playing baseball. What, what, what am I going to do with my life if I'm not able to pursue my dream of playing professional baseball? Well, it was at that point that God called me into the ministry. Interesting. And I really haven't regretted, I haven't regretted that one bit. Um, my dream had to die in college. I had to stick a knife in it because God directed me away from it in my freshman year of college. But I haven't regretted it. It's been great. It's been a great life. Life's interesting. I often want something so bad that I begin to dream of it. I begin to think about it constantly, and it's, it's hard to not think about it. And when I get it, it's on to the next thing. That's the way life is. Championships were this way when I was young. I'd be all worked up to win the league or win CIF championship or whatever it was back in Little League, whatever league I was in, I'd be worked up about it and fired up and ready, you know, nervous. Uh, and then it happened, not a lot of nourishment from it. Yeah, all right, on to the next one. There it is. I remember standing with my mentor, Harold Bullock, at uh, our 20th anniversary for the church. I think there were over 400 people attending, and we were about to send out a, a team to launch a church in Riverside. That would have been our third church, which was a dream of mine when we started the congregation, and I was standing there after the service, and uh, Harold said, well, Randy, this is your dream. God gave you your dream. 
I was able to enjoy that for a few hours. <laughs> and then Monday came, and it was there were other things to do. There were more goals to accomplish. God doesn't just... That's not the way life works, that we just find fulfillment in accomplishing our dream. Don't get me wrong. There, there's a tremendous amount of satisfaction from God as I'm faithful to do what he's assigned for me to do day by day. But that's my experience. As life flows by, I reach a goal, I realize a dream, and then it's on to the next one. Reaching goals, however noble and right, I would say starting a church, launching other churches, good goals, really good goals. But they're not the substance of life. Any goal is not the substance of life. God shows us the substance of life in the Bible, and we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. In the Bible, Ecclesiastes captures How you can end up empty in the pursuit of happiness. King Solomon was a wealthy king. He had the resources to pursue happiness the way most of us can only dream of. (laughs) I mean, he would dream of something and he'd make it happen because he had the money to do it. Um, Of course, the right dreams we can't control. But anyway, that's another story for a little bit later in the message. Um, He takes us on a journey with him. As he pursues happiness in the normal path. What you see is that arriving on empty is common with the normal path to fulfillment. Solomon started by trying to find fulfillment through pleasure. Ecclesiastes 1 and 10 says, I thought in my heart, come now. I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good, but that also proved to be meaningless. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure, and he had the ability to pull it off. Nothing was off limits. He tried it all, but every pleasure left him unfulfilled. Next, he pursued happiness through achievements. Ecclesiastes 2 goes on. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. You you can never achieve enough to be satisfied. Reaching goals is not the substance of life. Solomon just kept building and advancing, only to find at the end his hands were empty. They weren't bringing what he wanted, what he really needed. Finally, he comments on the fulfillment found in riches. Ecclesiastes 5. Whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This, too, is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. Uh, And what benefit are they to the owner except to feast his eyes on them? The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether he's little or much. But the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. Those are the three major categories that people pursue to find fulfillment. Pleasure, achievements, and riches. 
we all have our customized version of the pursuit. But in the end, we hope that they will fill us up. But we're never full. Here's a powerful scene from The Greatest Showman. P.T. Barnum from circus fame is a very driven man. And even though he's provided his wife and children with all the material possessions that you could imagine, uh, he, she's unhappy, his wife's unhappy, and that makes him unhappy. Um, let's watch this scene together. First it was buying a house on the same street as my parents, then meeting the queen, then bringing Jenny Lynn, then my father the other night. When will it ever be enough for you? I'm doing this for Caroline and Helen. Look around you. They have everything. You don't understand. I do understand. No, you don't understand. How could you? My father was treated like dirt. I was treated like dirt. And my children will not be. You don't need everyone to love you, Finn. Just a few good people. I know that. That's a very sad scene. He thinks he's providing what his family needs because he's driven by an upbringing that left him unsatisfied. He felt disrespected, his father and himself. So he pursues satisfaction in accomplishment, money, and possessions. This thinking is native to people all around the world. Here's the usual formula for joy. Whatever we desire is our definition of success. We think success will bring satisfaction. So we go for fulfilling the desire that we have. We expect this satisfaction that comes from fulfilled desire to yield contentment, enough possession, status, or the place I want to be in life. We think that contentment will evoke joy. We think this is going to bring us to joy so we can be cheerful. The life of the party. I'll be the life of the party when I get what I want. This is this is the normal path. We would say this would be such a better day if fill in the blank of the desire you want fulfilled. Or if I was in a better situation, if if I was you know, where I wanted to be in life, it would be so much better. But this is situation-dependent joy. God, God wants us to go beyond that. Let's trace back through the normal path. To be cheerful, I must find joy, which hinges on contentment, which is tied to satisfaction, that comes from all my desires being fulfilled. Satisfaction only comes when I achieve success, and I define success as getting what I want. That's the normal route to joy. But there's a problem with that. 
you and I don't always get what we want, do we? The Rolling Stones knew that. They sang about it. Success is complicated, and the bullseye keeps moving around because getting what you want doesn't satisfy you. God isn't opposed to situational joy, and he provides plenty of circumstances for us to enjoy, but he wants to lead us to a deeper, a greater joy. Psalm 4, 6, and 7 says, There are many who say, Who will show us some good? Lift up the light of of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and new wine abound. This is what God desires for us, a greater joy. Jesus invites us to life with a greater joy. The path to a life of joy is a shocker to us. It's not the common path. We celebrated Easter a few weeks ago. We kicked off this series looking at how hope is alive because Jesus is alive. He died to pay the price for our sin. He took the penalty of our sin on himself. And he conquered death by raising again. And his raised life is the surety or the guarantee of the promise that we can have eternal life later and the best kind of life right here and now. And Jesus invited people into life of joy and to follow him, to experience the abundant life that's found in following him and in the kingdom of God. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is Jesus' statement. This is why he came. He came so that we could have life, so that we could have eternal life later on, after we move on to the next life, into eternity, and the quality of life that we can really enjoy right now. The eternal life, it's, it's the picture in Scripture is, it's, it's for there and then, yes, but it invades your heart right now as you begin to experience it and live differently. He, he showed the path to abundant life, and it's the opposite of the natural or common path that makes sense to us. Before he died on the cross, he predicted his death, but he also explained how to experience real life to those who were following him in the moment, and it's, it's instructive for us today. Matthew 10.39 says, If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. That doesn't make, that doesn't make sense if we're following the common path. And there's something native to our hearts that That is just, that doesn't seem right. It makes sense to us to grab hold of life, to cling to life, and hang on to it, and pursue what we think will fill us up. Here's a Schlitz ad from 1970. You only go around once in life. The first couple lines say, You only go around once in life, so grab for all the gusto you can. I grew up hearing this ad. Now, this resonates with our heart. It resonates with the culture around us. 
But she, Jesus shows us another way. Jesus' death was the way he gave life to us. And it was a source of joy for him to do that. Hebrews says he endured the cross for the joy set before him. By his death, the greatest fruit out of his life came. Forgiveness of sins for all who would accept what he'd done on the cross and to those who would decide to live for him. We can't measure the fulfillment people experience because of the sacrifice that Jesus made. This is the same path to joy that we must follow if we want to experience the greater joy. If you want to gain and experience the fullness of life, you can't be the sinner of your life. Here's the upside down truth. When you empty yourself for God and the people around you, you are filled. This is the way it really works. If you cling to your life, joy dissipates like a mirage. Watch this video of a car driving toward what appears to be water. It's a little bumpy ride. Apologize for that. But watch it. He, he never gets to it because it's, it's not real. This is what happens when we cling to pleasure, our money, to achievements, to find joy. We can see the joy they might bring, but we never experience it because we never get to it. And if we do accomplish it, it's not for long. In contrast, if you pour yourself out for others, you are filled. Proverbs 11 says, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper, Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So we tend to think, don't we tend to think, if, if, if I want to be fulfilled, I need the people around me. I kind of cling on to them, and I want them to do what will meet my need in the moment, right now, right here. That makes sense to us. But genuine joy flows from giving your life away. Not grabbing the gusto. This is the way God has made us to work. It's, this is the way life works. Those who walk through life with him and give themselves to live for his purposes discover this upside-down truth. When I empty myself, I am filled. You can't control your circumstances, but you can choose to please God in them. And that's where the fulfillment comes. This is what Solomon discovered in his search. The book Ecclesiastes was an experiment that God inspired Solomon to write down so that we could take the journey with him. Uh, it shows chasing dreams of fun, money, success are not the way. Here's his conclusion in Ecclesiastes 12:13. Now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. There's no greater joy than to live for God. This is why we were made. And when something made does what it was made to do, that's when life begins to come together. To fear God means that you respect him, that you take him seriously, you stay 
inside the boundaries he set for life, and you set your heart to live his way in the situations and circumstances of life as they flow by. Jesus sacrificed his life to show us how much God loves us. This is our motivation for doing what God said. So we respect God and we, we love him because he's loved us, because he's shown us such great love to us. Jesus showed us that the joy of serving God's purpose with our life comes as we give it away. Living for God and others raises questions in my heart. I'm sure yours as well. And this is where faith is needed. Won't I miss out? Won't it cost me and my family too much? Will I ever find joy? I've asked these questions myself because it's ingrained in us to think happiness comes from getting what we want, from obtaining a place in life that we want to be. We know from experience, though, that that doesn't work. To counter emptiness, you and I must rely on Christ to fill us with meaning. Kerry Newhoff was the author of Didn't See It Coming, and he, he said, It's terrifying to realize this truth. The alternative to living for yourself is dying to yourself. I, I need help to do that. I don't know about you, but I need a lot. I need help to get beyond myself, to get outside of my self, selfishness and set my heart to live a selfless life. I need help to live for God and others. And Jesus wants to give it. In John 15, you find that Jesus will lead me to a life of greater joy. My part is to stay connected to him. I, I can't find the greater joy on my own. To the, the pull to live for myself and the messages in the culture, it, it's too strong for me to overcome without his help. So John fifteen five says this, I am the vine, Jesus is talking. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit for apart from me. You can do nothing. To remain in Christ means that I rely on his help and resources that he's provided. There are two main resources uh, for remaining in Christ. Spending time with God by getting into the Bible, reading it for yourself, listening to it here on Sunday mornings. And the reason is, one reason is, God, God speaks to us through the scripture. They're, they're alive. And his Holy Spirit takes them and he applies them to our circumstances and situations. And also the upside, upside down ways of God that are woven into the fabric of life are found in the scripture, in the Bible. It reminds us of how life really works. This message hopefully is a reminder to you of how life really works and it's Upside down. It's not the common path. It's not the common way. Prayer is another key way to remain in Christ. When I feel empty and frustrated, I'm likely to get caught up in a wave of unmet expectations and the emotions that come with them. And I just need to pray. Father, I'm really disappointed 
by this situation, by what's happening right here, the way this turned out. I'm frustrated. I feel like I'm spinning my wheels. Will you help me today to put my trust in you and for me to set my heart to do your will right now when I don't want to? <laughs> will, you, will you help me turn worry and frustration into a prayer and ask God for help in it? If we lose our life for his sake, we find the meaning and fulfillment that only he gives. And it requires faith to do that. We need help. We need to stay close to Jesus so he can give us the strength that he needs. And he, he really does. I found that he does, for sure. And if we do that, if we stay close to him, if we stay connected to him like a, 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 the fruit is to the vine then we will not be blindsided by emptiness if we choose to live for him. As I wrap up, I want to invite you to take some next steps today. There are some suggestions at the, on the back side of the listening guide, the handout that's in your program. Uh, and these are some suggestions I have. Maybe there's some others that you'd like to do. Um, my next step today is to... Choose to follow Jesus' path to greater joy by letting go, by not clinging, by just pouring myself out. And then another step could be to remain in Christ this week by maybe reading Scripture three or four times, set time aside. Read John 15 would be a good thing to do. Uh, about abiding and remaining in him or praying instead of worrying. What What is a good step for you to take? There may be others that God brought to mind, um, but those are a couple that I'm suggesting. Uh, I hope this message has been helpful to you and that uh, you follow Jesus to greater joy this week.